just a poor boy, though my story seldom told. I squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and jest, still the man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. All right, folks, welcome to the Crack House Podcast. My name is Michael Sullivan. And uh, was that a little? That wasn't Paul Simon, right? That was the Mumford and Sons version of the boxer. Okay. Um, Joining me as always, uh, Chris Musky Muscolino on the Crack House Podcast. What's going on, buddy? Hey, Big Mike. What's going on, man? Happy early Thanksgiving to all the uh, the crackheads and followers and all our people out there, man. It's been a long year. Almost out of the woods, it looks like, with a lot of crap. Getting uh, ready for somewhat of a normal Thanksgiving, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we're... Uh... We're getting towards the end of the road, but who knows? Who knows what 2022, man? Wow, 2022. Who knows what that'll bring? But I mean, who knows, man? 2022, you think we would have had like like flying cars already? You know, I, I wanted to bring that up at one point. You know, like stuff like 30 years ago that you figured that would be in place by now. You know, like I thought flying cars too would be, you know, pretty much. I thought that would be reality for us. Other stuff I could never imagine, like the cell phone. You know, I mean, who who'd have thunk that you'd have a personal computer in your hand? No, yeah, that's that's you know? definitely a uh, like. I mean, think about it. It's almost like uh, you know we we call it a cell phone, but like half the time, phone is the last thing you're using on that thing. Yeah, it's a you personal know? computer, man. It's, yeah, that's what it I is. Mean, well, I mean, and, and I think like smarter people. Have definitely uh, have graduated and just called it a mobile device, and I right. think that and that's what it is. It's a you know like you're just looking stuff up on there. People text each you know. Uh, people r- would definitely rather we're in that stage where people would rather just text each other than call each other. It's Dude, old, so, old, old people old people call. Yeah. That's it. Old people you're right. Call. So many people, man, Mike. You know, like friends. It's like you know, I offer to call. Like ah, you know. You know, they'll, they'll have like a 30 minute text conversation with you, but yeah, like the minute, yeah, I can't, I can't talk, you know, you call them and it's voicemail. It's like, it's the weirdest yeah. shit, but, um, yeah, you're right. I think it's more of like a generational type thing, you know, when it comes to cell phone. Um, but going back to your question. Yeah. I, I, I did think that we'd have flying cars by now. I really do. Um, some stuff, you know, I thought robots would be a little bit more, you know, mainstream at this point, you know, um, I thought I thought by now we'd have some sort of a little bit more of an integrated robotic society, you know, maybe not like Terminator, you know, level. But, you know, I was thinking maybe like iRobot, you know, that type of stuff or like, um, yeah, I I think think, we, yeah, the the most we got now is like a a Roomba vacuum cleaner. We do, you know, like housewise, like I think everyone thought they'd have like a Rosie the robot, you know, right, right, right. Yeah, we definitely we're definitely nowhere near that. No, we're not. I think in Asia they're a little bit farther along than we are, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I think those, uh, you know, the, the, that culture has embraced that kind of stuff. I think they're, 
I don't know if they're way ahead in technology wise because we've got a lot of American companies too that you know kind of develop that stuff and making a lot of progress. But um, I, I think I think the Asian technology and I think it's been a little bit more integrated into their society than it has in ours for the most part. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're definitely right about that. And and you said it on the show before, and I think it's definitely a true statement that we almost like fear that kind of robot technology where they really embrace it more. They 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 seem to truly embrace it where we almost have kind of like a, a tinge of fear when it comes to that. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's a healthy portion of us that have a fear for it, you know, and I think it's been, you know, kind of, you know. Hollywoodized, if if if, it, if that's even a word, you know, in the sense that, you know, I think certain movies have been ingrained in our uh, psychosis, you know, as far as, you know, Terminator, you know, uh, Skynet, you know, that kind of shit. But I gotta be honest with you, minus that, you know, minus AI taking over, you know, the planet and destroying the human race, I think robots are a pretty cool thing, you know. Um, this infrastructure bill that. Uh, Biden passed, I guess, and, and Congress and Senate last week was really heavily designed to take advantage of this kind of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, without really getting too far off topic, you know, what the, what was in that bill was a lot of things. It was a lot of fluff. There was a lot of social type stuff that was extended, like the Child Care Act. But in terms of like robotics and stuff, we're moving towards a green society, Mike. And you know, in that bill is a tremendous amount of tax breaks towards the EV manufacturers. And why bring back, bring in the EV manufacturers? It's kind of hand in hand with robots. If, you, if you've ever driven a Tesla, and I haven't, you know, I've just spoken to a lot of people that, you know, have one or are trying to insure one. Yeah. You know what they say, Mike? They say it's like a, a an iPhone or a computer on wheels. Like you literally get in the damn yes, thing. Yes, yes. And it's integrating like all the stuff that you have on your phone into your car to the point where I don't know if you get flying cars in a lifetime, but I do think you're going to come a point in time where like where our parents are now, where we're potentially their age or, or, or older, where you can get in a car and say, yeah, drive me to Mike's house and boom, you're going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I, I could definitely see by the time we're in our seventies, which right. is only Hopefully 20 is right. only 20 years away that's not scary enough but we're definitely going to be i think we're definitely going to be that older generation that gets those driverless vehicles i think i do i do think so and it's gonna be a good thing i mean listen if you have relatives in a different state rather oh, yeah. than hopping on a plane and shit, you know you go in your car i mean i just had this conversation though with, with some people at at, uh, at a party um the other night you know, we were talking about the economics of an EV car. Like if you're driving around New York City and you're going from point A to point B, you're probably going to save at least in New York City. And it's it's higher in other places in the country, Mike. You probably save about 800 to $900 a year in gasoline versus just charging your car. If you had an EV versus like just a regular standard mid-sized car. If you're traveling to go see people like from New York to like Florida or to the Carolinas or the Midwest, you're better off with a gasoline type car. Because they haven't gotten to the point where the EV yeah, stations. Yeah, uh, it's not. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, you don't have a large uh, radius of travel, I think. Right. If, uh, right. But uh, right. I was watching. Now we're going back to like the driverless car thing. If you watch the movie, uh, what the hell was it? The Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report. Speaking of like the driverless vehicles. And I'm trying to remember what year that was supposed to be. I think it was I, I don't think thirties. I think yeah, maybe you know in that in that ballpark. That robot same time yeah. period. 
that um when Steven Spielberg was making that, I watched a documentary on like HBO about them making the movie. What he actually did was he hired people that are called futurists and they basically predict, try, try and predict, predict the future, predict future things. What would be the what, what would what would driving be like? And you watch the movie and it is it's all driverless cars and the, the way the cars run, uh, the advertising where, where they were getting the retinal scan and they right. were advertising directly to you and all this stuff. And it just all ties into like, I, I definitely see futures like that for us with a driverless system where you just get in a car where they're going to have it perfected, where it's going to say, take, you know, you know, you're in New York City and it's like, take me to Hartford, Connecticut. And I agree. I agree. And I think you're going to see, I mean, just going back to things that you thought 30 years from now, I mean, I don't think I'm not in the industry. I don't have really any, um, you know, link to it, but I never growing up thought that the end of gasoline and fossil fuels could ever come to fruition. And I got to tell you, we're moving towards it. You know, it, it's moving at a slow pace, but depending on who's in office, I mean, as long as you have a Democrat in office, they kind of are pushing this and a little bit more progressive, a lot more progressive than the Republicans. But I got to be honest with you, we're, we're moving towards it, Mike. We're moving towards maybe in all lifetime that you, you know, you see less of a dependence on gasoline in general, you know, in terms of how you heat your house how you drive a car, um, you know, we're going that direction. You know, how feasible it is, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, growing up in the 80s and the, and the 90s, I never would have imagined there was ever a possibility where, there, where gasoline wasn't king and wasn't paramount to the way that you function in terms of driving and heating your home and that kind of stuff. Oh, definitely, yeah. Who would have, yeah, who would have, I mean, you see it now more and more now. People are definitely getting, like, solar energy and, things like that so i mean who knows who knows what the other alternative is going to be 30 40 years down the road after that where we're well, yeah, going to see know, more man. like that that wind uh those wind, wind technology uh, right yeah, the windmills that kind of stuff so. i mean look growing up i mean we laughed at it or we didn't really understand it but i, I it's coming man you know i i follow the stock market still i still trade a lot and you know you follow these different companies and the technology that's being you know, driven and uh, there's a lot of cutting edge type stuff that's not even out on the market yet. You know, these a lot, a lot of technology, man, you know, not only in the energy field, um, going back to your question, what, what do you think that might have happened? You know, that didn't happen already. I just saw something where there's a lot of companies out there that are developing technology where kind of like hologram technology, like we talked about it in terms of like concerts and recreating, you know, dead performers and stuff. But they're talking about like integrating into like your normal day of life. Like you want to speak to Vicky, you know, and it's like instead of making a phone call or texting her, you're going to have a hologram of her in your house, you know, as far as making a hologram call, you know, kind of like Star Trek or, you know, Star Wars, that type of crap. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that seems to be something that I couldn't I couldn't fathom. Like we watched Star Wars back in the 80s and the 70s, and they kind of alluded to that stuff. And you saw it in Star Trek and stuff. But, you know, I. I came across a couple things, a couple companies that I've been following, and it seems like that technology is getting to the point where you may see that within the next 10 to 15 years, where you make a hologram call instead of, like you said, you know, having a 20-minute text conversation with somebody. You know, it's like nobody wants to be on the phone, right? You know, everybody just at this point wants yeah, but to text. Yeah, yeah, yeah but see, see, that's weird, too, because now, like, you really don't want to see – if you're going for – like, if you're going for a 20-minute text call, you don't want to see this. Part. I don't want a hologram call. 
<laughs> well, it depends on the situation. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of situations that entails it, but, you know, for far distance uh, people, you know, uh, conversations, you know, like with your parents and stuff, you know, relatives. I, yeah, states. that I could see, but like, every, you know, yeah, like everyday phone call nonsense. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, no, no. I think Actually, it'll. I think it'll kind of be like texting in phone calls right now. You know, people yeah. have their preference depending on it's it'll be situational. Be, yeah, it's going to be like 3D Zoom calls, basically. Right. That's you know? exactly what it is. That's all. Um, speaking of like big phone calls and everything through the, uh, through the you know, the holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving's coming up. And we were talking about uh, uh, Thanksgiving movies the other day. Like, what was what do you think of the best Thanksgiving movies? You know what? I, I gave it some thought, Mike, and I was kind of stumped with it other than like the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas special and stuff. Um, you won't. One thing that came to mind, and I, you know, again, it kind of falls into that gray area, you know, whether you consider it a Thanksgiving movie or not. But I, I kind of equate it. How about Last of the Mohicans? I mean, the time period, you know, the uh, the American Indian, you know, uh, I, I looked on a few lists and it would never made it. No, it never it never would. Absolutely not. I mean, I I don't know. I, I, I had like three. One of them, you already said the Charlie Brown. My my all time favorite, if you consider it a Thanksgiving, movie, which I it definitely is, is planes, trains and automobiles, planes, trains and automobiles. The huh? whole movie is about getting home for Thanksgiving. OK. And I, I mean, those two guys, both of them, Steve Martin, John Candy, they were both at the top of their game in that movie. And it is just. Every scene they made funny. Okay. Every scene they wanted to make, every scene they wanted, you know, every scene they wanted to make funny, they made funny. Every scene they wanted to be, to, to, to just rip your heart out. They were, when he talks about, you know, when you find out his wife is dead, you're like, holy shit, man. This guy's by himself every, you know. <laughs> I still think it's less to the Mohicans, man. That's the Mohicans is a good. I mean, no, it's a great movie. But and then the other one is Home for the Holidays, which is it's a 1995 movie, and I think it was Jodie Foster's first movie she ever directed. I think, and it's about uh like a huge dysfunctional family at uh Thanksgiving. Would you classify Home Alone more as a Christmas movie or as a uh, Thanksgiving movie? The movie takes place at Christmas, right? Home Alone? I think it's in the holidays. I'm not sure if it's before or after Christmas. I think it's supposed to be Christmas in Paris, right? The family's going to whatever the fuck they want to Paris. Right, right, right. In that time period. Uh, I'm just trying I, to think. That's a Christmas movie. That's a Christmas movie. Okay. To me, to me it How is. How about that? Then you got the old standbys, I, I guess, with the... Um, you know the older the older ones, uh, Mighty Joe Young. I think we spoke about. Well, yeah, those are just Thanksgiving movies in the sense of we They're played around them. Thanksgiving. We right. watched them at Thanksgiving. It was like Mighty Joe Young, King Kong, uh, Abe's in Toyland, March of the a, Wind Soldiers. But isn't that Christmas? They always played around Thanksgiving for some reason. Is it Thanksgiving morning and Christmas morning they play? I know it's Christmas morning. They always play it. If you want to broaden the spectrum, I'll, I'll go this. There are certain movies that are played around certain times. They may not necessarily fit the that, criteria, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, that, okay. that. So yeah, I'll give you that then. If you want to go with like an Indian movie, like Last of the Mohicans, right. something like that, I get it. Um, 
Wizard of, Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, Wizard of Oz is always on around this time of year. Has even nothing, gone, has even nothing, gone with the wind, right? I think, yeah. The, yeah this, TBS used to do a thing, I think, in like 24 hours of it at one point. But they don't play that shit anymore. I think they completely eradicated it. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, I think the movie's considered like super. They put a warning on it. Right, right. The movie has a warning now of like, this might be, you know, you might not like this. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. No, uh, no, it's true, man. It's true. I mean, they kind of, uh, you know, they kind of took it off the air for all intents and purposes. Citizen Kane's another one like you don't see too much on TV anymore. I, I don't know what the. Yeah, but I think that's a movie too. They, uh, I think it goes by like whoever owns the rights to certain things. Like I okay. don't know who owns the rights to Citizen Kane. Plus, it's also considered in movie annals. Citizen Kane is considered the number one movie of all time. Yeah, it always comes up on the top one hundred. Number it's one, a, actually. Yeah, yeah, right. it's always the number one movie. I, I don't think the movie's that great. You I, know, I, I've never really seen it from top to from top to I, bottom. Mike, I, I, I've watched it. I watched it once just to say I watched it. And right. It was just okay. It's about a kid. He grows up to be rich and powerful, and then he dies. And he says this thing, Rosebud, and it's his sled. That's it. The movie starts with him going Rosebud. Those are his last words before he dies. Okay. Whatever. Charles Foster Kane was the guy. And he's going Rosebud. And then, boom, he dies. And everyone wants to know what Rosebud is. The whole movie is them trying to figure out Rosebud. And you find out it's a sled. That's the movie. A sled. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm sorry. I... I'm sorry I spoiled an 80-year-old movie, but it's a sled. <laughs> and it kind of shows, too, like, what a pe like, I, I, I think he sacrificed a lot of stuff to get, it, it was supposed to be about the guy, William Randolph Hearst. It's like a right, loose, right, right. loose, like, biopic of that guy. And he was, like, supposedly, like, a real, like, uh, scumbaggy kind of dude, so. Kind of like Logan Roy from Succession, which I've I've actually caught up. And I am now fully up to speed with that. And I started watching Yellowstone as well. And I watched, believe it or not, I went back and started to watch Billions again. And uh, the first time I watched Billions, I only got through like an episode or two. It's got uh, a pretty decent cast, actually. I gave, I gave Good. Billions like five seasons. And I think the last two I've just dropped off and I never caught up. But Billions, I did like. Billions, I, I mean, I've said this about Billions before and it... It falls into that category where Sons of Anarchy fell into with me. Even the shield got to the point of they got into like the main characters are getting into so much trouble. You're like, they can't get out of it. And then they get out of it. Right. Like right. Some, something really dopey. Like you're going to see it down the road with billions. Axe, Axe just keeps getting in trouble, in trouble, in trouble. And Giamatti has his own issues as well. He's gonna have his own issues I, down I the road. See it. And, and it, it, I, it's not a bad show. I, I will never bash that show. I think it's a good, but it, but it just gets the viewer to a point of like. Uh, there's only like, so many ways, yeah. you know. You, right, you, you know, and I could definitely see it. You know, basically, it's based on this hedge fund manager, mm -hmm. and he's committing insider trading. That's really what he's doing. He's trading off, and he's making a lot of money off insider trading. Giamatti plays the attorney. And he's got all sorts of kinky shit going on in his life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's 
kind of like the political games that are going on between the the attorneys and the, the U.S. District Attorney in pursuing this guy and and their interactions with the press. Yeah, I listen. I thought it was pretty pretty good. You know, again, it's the backdrop is Manhattan. and the backdrop. You know, you see a lot of a lot of New York in it, which I enjoy. Um, I gave Yellowstone a, a try too, and that that actually I thought was like a, like a cowboy thing, but in reality, it's like set in modern day, and it's kind of like take succession which i know you haven't seen yet and transplant it into like the west like the montana the wyoming area and uh you know it shows this super rich cattle guy you know he's like a rancher kevin costner and his interactions i guess with you know i guess the woke mob you know so to speak you know the woke corporate mob and uh it's pretty interesting i mean i got through an episode or two Mm -hmm. for the most part, I think I enjoyed Succession a little bit more, and I enjoyed Billions more so far. But I'll give it a season or two, see if I can get through it. You know, I've, I've heard Yellowstone. I've heard from a few people it's a good show to watch. But uh, yeah, allegedly just, it's like the top show on television. I, I know we were going to talk about that to an extent. You know, I wanted yeah. to give it a, 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 a chance because I've read a lot of reviews about it, Mike. Yeah. But um, I don't know, man. It, it seems like one of those shows that, you know, again, it's going to take a little bit more than a couple well, a couple episodes to get into you know what's on right now i just actually watched it today i watched like two episodes tiger king 2 is back baby i saw that man new episodes on netflix i I checked out the first two uh i'm not gonna spoil anything but it's like when when you're not trapped in your house and you have nothing to do tiger king 2 really didn't do it for me that much (laughs) um all i will say is this about it 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 delves in a lot to like carol baskin stuff you know we all know right uh, right the whole thing about her husband and stuff like that it delves into the husband for a few of the uh for for most of the episodes so i've watched two or three full ones already okay i think there's i think it's only a five episode you know like the last one four or five episodes uh joe exotic i think is in jail for the whole this is when he's in jail and he's he the, the only interviews they do with him is like on a prison phone it's real weird but uh yeah they they delve into like the carol baskin stuff of like where's the husband the husband seems like he might be a shady dude they start going into that i'm not going to give too much away it just came out uh you can go check it out for yourself tiger king 2 is season two they're calling it he's supposed so now, to be really he's supposedly really sick i think he's trying to get pardoned so he can get out of jail because he's got cancer uh uh exotic i think he's really messed up at this point i read something along those lines i he he didn't look good the video he didn't look good like they the the way they're recording him for the for the documentary for the show he didn't right. look good at all and the uh and i did read about that stuff about the husband who disappeared in florida you know look the motive's there man i mean if you watch the first season you know the first you know slew of episodes batch of episodes it's all there man I mean, again, it's just one of those cases where I just can't they I, I don't think they can pin anything on her because I, don't, I just don't think they have enough evidence other than maybe potential motive, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to charge her. But you know, look, it's a shady type of thing. You know, the guy just disappeared. I, I guess he went on a plane somewhere down south, like into Central America. No, and yeah, just, he owned property in Costa Rica. And I mean, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to get into it from there. And then it just kind of like they start interviewing people down there that knew him. And, you know, it it does. It gets into some, this guy was kind of like a, 
he operated from what it seemed like in a in a very gray area. Right. So like you could, like I said, it just came out. Watch it for yourselves. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Kind of like the guy from uh, South Carolina, which came out. You know, it seems like now I was reading some stuff that we talked about. The guy that got, I guess he's like one of these big attorneys or big uh, business people down in South Carolina that where his wife and son got murdered. And allegedly there was something about him bilking millions out of the maid, which how the maid had millions. I don't know, but I'm not saying maids can't have millions, but. No, wasn't uh, it something with the maid got a lawsuit or something? Yeah, somehow she came into money or she had money and somehow he screwed her out of it. And yeah, um, yeah this guy was a real piece. That guy was a real piece of garbage, man. He was just going after money after money. Like he had the wife and the 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 son killed. Right. Right. Well, allegedly, that's 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 the motive. Yeah. He he had them both whacked out for the insurance policy, for the insurance policy. And then right. he, he was going to and that kid, I think the kid that got killed killed some other kid like in an accident right like a yes motor, yes like a boating accident right this was no boating accident but he killed a kid in a boating accident and they were getting sued so i think they killed that he killed the kid and for whatever reason the wife there was no real motive for the wife. then he wanted when he got shot in the head he was trying to kill himself to give his last kid the son the all, the, all the money right right and he screwed it up no you're absolutely right mike and it was yeah. just a, it was a wild case. It's like, you know, yeah. this, this whole uh, this whole Baskin stuff and Tiger King guy. Um, dude, people are messed up, man. You know, you think, yeah, <laughs> you think he got problems and he reads some of this shit and it's like, well, dude, what? I mean, let's let's be honest, too. This is going to be a Netflix documentary next year. Oh, this absolutely. Is, this is going to be an eight part series next year when they figure this whole thing out. Or right. This is going to be a, 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 a movie. Yeah. A movie on some right. channel. That's you know. right. Absolutely. I mean, that's they're supposed to be doing the Tiger King movie with the uh, didn't like Nicolas Cage sign on to play one of the guy. I think play not a Tiger King, but I think one of the other zoo people. <laughs> so, dude, that whole uh, dude, it's whacked out. Like I've seen even some ghost shows about it. You know how the zoo is haunted and all the stuff that went down in there, guys losing their arms and shit. I mean, we've talked about it. It's just a wacky, wacky, wacky story, man. It's a wacky situation. They're yeah. wacky people oh, man. Yeah. all around from him to the woman in Florida to the people that work there. It's like the circus meets the zoo meets reality TV. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about it like at the beginning of COVID, you know, like, you know, people just latching onto this thing. And then really it was such a train wreck of, of, of a story that you really COVID and I, I, I think it would have succeeded no matter what. I mean, obviously it was a perfect storm. Everybody was at home at the, at the beginning of COVID and exactly you, you, you're 100. Cause I started watching this. I'm like, I thought I was going to binge it. It was like right. four, four, four or five episodes. And I just was like, and eh, I watched two and I was like, I'll watch the rest when I watch the rest. Right. Right. It wasn't right. anything like I was on the edge of my seat for. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, like you said, yeah, we were, all, we were, we were all locked down last year. And like, so, you know, something would pop up and then everyone would just latch on because we all were stuck inside. So it was like, watch this. And now, yeah. Yeah. Now it's like people are back to their semi normal lives. So. And listen, yeah, I talked about it off the, off the phone, man. We just lost somebody at work, 53 years old, really nice guy, three kids. You know, he uh, he passed away from COVID. He was he was uh, ventilated and. 
you know, he, you know, he was in the hospital. I mean, he's really upsetting shit, Mike. I mean, you know, you think you're out of the woods with this stuff, and then you hear about something like this. You know, guy was a really nice guy, 53 years old. You know, came down with COVID about a month and a half ago, and that was it, man. You know, he just progressively got worse and worse. And uh, you know, we've talked about it. You know, some people, you know, you get a really bad cold. Some people, no big deal. You know, um, I guess if you're in the NFL, you make your own fake vaccine card, you know, like Antonio Brown or, you know, you're immunized like Aaron Rodgers. But the thing still seems to be lingering around, man. And it's just, it's upsetting for me because four people from my job over the last year and a half, you know, uh, you know, again, I won't mention their names on here just out of respect, but it just, uh, it's, it's sad, man. It really is sad. And, and, and to be honest with you, it's scary. Cause like you said, you know, you talk about people, you know, getting back to like regular things and regular life. And then you hear something like that and you realize, you know, we might not be still out of this thing at this point, even though people want it to be, you know, over. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of like sneaking around, like you said. I you mean, know, it's, it's it's sneaky, man. You know, you feel like you can walk, like even now, like I'm vaccinated. I had the damn thing last year. You know, I, I find myself reaching into my pocket to put my mask on as I go into a supermarket. You know, some people may laugh at me. Hey, you're an idiot. You know, this and that. But it's like, call me paranoid. You know, I just I just don't want to get it again. And then you hear something shit like that. And it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. On to different things. Uh, what's your take on this Rittenhouse thing, man? I know we were talking about that uh, this the other day. We had a conversation with some of my friends at this party the other day. Um, watch the video. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, the I was listening to Dave Smith's podcast, uh, Part of the Problem, or watching it on YouTube, and I watch it. He's on Legion of Skanks, and I watch it on that. And he's, he, he mentioned one part of the testimony, the, the kid that lived that he shot, that was standing right. over him with the gun. That kid basically got like eviscerated on the stand by the defense. And basically the line of questioning went like, uh, was Mr. Rittenhouse like pointing a gun at you at all? No. Did Mr. Did Mr. Rittenhouse point his gun at you after you pointed a gun at him? And the kid went, yes. Did he shoot you after you po he pointed the gun when, he, when you were threatening him with the gun? And the kid just had no other alternative. Yes. And they said you watched the prosecution just put their head, go like this. Like, this, you know, this is, we're, we're done. I mean, do I think that kid should have been out there, Kyle Rittenhouse? No. Did he defend himself? And was he within his uh the, the law absolutely well let me ask you let me stop and you I'll there Mike, because time. because i hear that a lot you know and again this is one of these things that it really just comes down to where you get your source of news if you're a fox news guy and you know you lean right you're probably going to be glad the guy got acquitted if you're a left-wing democrat uh or leftist leaning you're going to probably be appalled by this and the question i've heard over and over again you know Look, I, I followed the case pretty pretty much. There was some stuff that at the beginning of it, like I told you last week, that I had no idea. You know, I had no idea that no black people were killed. It was three white dudes. And the question I hear over and over again from the people on the left that, you know, are probably appalled by this is, well, he shouldn't have been there. Okay, well, what were the three felons doing there? W what were they doing? 
oh, they were protesting. Oh, they shouldn't have been there either. And the reality of it was the kid, his family lived there. There were so many misconceptions here, Mike, you know, other than, you know, the clear-cut stuff that you saw on video. The kid, well, his mother drove him across two state lines and, you know, she brought him a gun. No, the gun was at his house, at his stepfather's house in Wisconsin, where he lived, where the, where the stepfamily lived. Oh, well, um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, he was a white supremacist. No, there's been nothing that linked the kid to become a, a white supremacist. He was one of these kids, I guess, that was, uh, maybe you can educate me, Mike. In New York City, what's the, uh, what's like the junior cop program that you have? You oh, know, like auxiliary cadet program. Right. I think he was one of those kids that want to be law enforcement. And I thought that he, my take on it was, and again, I'm sure the people on the left will laugh at what I'm saying, but, you know, my take on it is the reason he was there is his family was there and the police were nowhere to be found because either they were told to stand down or they let these people, you know, basically destroy and loot and do whatever the hell it was. You know, you can, you know, ask the question why he's, he's there till the cows come up, but the reality of it was, I guess he thought that he was protecting his neighborhood and he's protecting his family. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But my question to people that ask, why was he there? Why were these felons there? Why was this pedophile there? And again, I'm not justifying for them to lose their lives because nobody should lose their lives under those, any circumstance. But, you know, what, what, was the, what was that guy doing there? The pedophile, the, the woman beater, and, uh, and, the, and the third scumbag. All convicted felons. What were they doing there? Well, I so, think the, uh, and I think the one guy that lived, he's still facing charges for the weapon. Right. Because he wasn't supposed to have that. That gun was an illegal firearm that he had. So he's right. still waiting, pending charges off of that. Um, like I said, the other two guys, with the three of them were there to cause mayhem and violence. Correct. This kid was at, listen, you watch these videos. He's getting chased by people. He is a child. Whether you believe it, he is a 17-year-old kid. He's a child. He was getting chased around by adults with Molotov cocktails in one of the videos. And I'll give you this, Mike. I don't think he should have been there. I think he, you know, but no, again, he like, should he, like, he should have like, been there, but he defended himself. Right. That's it. But, here, but here's the deal. He's 17. And does he have the mentality of a 50 year old man? No. Does that excuse him for being there? No, I I, I agree. But, um, you know, I just I, I flip the coin on people in the sense when I hear that question, I just what were these guys doing? And you, you just laid it out to cause violence and mayhem and whatever it is in the name of civil disobedience and, and civil rights. At the end of the day, look, it's a great noble cause, you know, to protest for civil rights. But if you're out there doing bad shit, you know, kind of defeats the purpose, you know, no matter what the circumstance. And it almost, I think it kind of hinders the cause, to be honest with you. You know, it just, I think it takes away from everything. But that's, you know, I digress. But I'll tell you one thing that really upset me the most about all this, you know, regardless of whether you thought he was guilty or not guilty, whether he should have been there, or he shouldn't have been there. How about this? MSNBC getting kicked out of the jur out of the out of the trial and basically the story goes that msnbc followed the busload of jurors think about this mike if you're on trial right and you have a jury trial going on and a media a major news media outlet is following your jury bus that's going to your trial and what they're trying to do and again i'm just i'm just guessing here they're trying to dox these jurors in the event that the guy is acquitted so they can say, oh, Michael Sullivan was on this jury, jury and he found this kid, you know, not guilty. And what they do is 
I'm not saying MSNBC was going to do that because I don't know that to be fact. But typically what they do in that situation is they leak that stuff to these these rioters and these protest people. And these people show up at the juries, you know, at these people's houses. And between the president calling this guy a white supremacist last year, between this shit, I got to be honest with you. I mean, you know, it's like one of those things that goes back to like, um, I equate like the, uh, the whole steroid scandal, you know, back in baseball. You know, guys like Barry Bonds and Jason Giambi, all their information was sealed. My question is, how, how did that information get out there? All that stuff that was released in the 2004 report and in 2001, that was leaked. That was all sealed federal documents that somehow got leaked. How did it get out there? And why was it just Barry Bonds? And why was it just Jason Giambi? Why was it Alex Rodriguez and maybe not David Ortiz or maybe like a guy like Manny Ramirez? You know, I guess the point I make in tying this all together, even going back to the Gruden thing like uh, a couple weeks ago, he's suing the NFL right now. And his his thing is, you know, why is my name in, in, in thousands of emails the only name that gets released? You mean to tell me there's nobody else in those documents? So going back to this thing, going back to the, you know, the, the you know, the, the media outlet, you know, pursuing this bus, following these juries, you know, I, I don't know, man. It just, it, it's really upsetting to hear this kind of stuff. And I think. No, no, you're right. Because I, you I, I, I just heard that story about the jury bus being followed. Right. And it's, yeah, I, I think that's I mean, cool. think about it. I mean, whether you like, again, whether you're a CNN guy, left guy, Democrat, whether you're alt-right, Democrat, Rush Limbaugh, uh, Republican you know, right wing guy, this shit's got to shake you, man. I mean, think about it. I mean, you're talking like basic civil set, you know, you know, they talked about how like the judge was on this kid's side. I think if the judge really knew that he should have just declared, he could have declared a mistrial right mistrial there, from probably. the beginning. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, listen, I think, I think on some level, the prosecution may have, wa you know, wanted a mistrial. The guy pointed, you know, the, the prosecutor, you know, was pointing that gun and, you know, Dude, there was so many things in that case that were just so whacked out. But like I said, look, you know law enforcement better than I do. You were in law enforcement for over 25 years, whatever it was. I'm just a guy that follows law. I took a little bit law in college. You know, I'm sure your brother knows it more than I do. Some of the stuff is just like basic stuff that affects us all. And to think that it could happen to this kid. And, and look, I get, I get the trial was politicized on a number of different levels. But I mean, even after the fact, like the statement the president released and de Blasio released, well, we're, you know, please don't riot, but we're very upset and we're very angry at the verdict as well. Are you fucking kidding me? He's got this a, guy just got, you know. They got to pander to their base. That's, I get it, Mike, but you're talking but, like but the highest levels of government doing that. And they're pandering to, because you know what? Because Joe Biden's looking at 2024. That's why. Yeah, but I look at I look at even I look at even a guy like De Blasio for the you know for that matter he's got nothing you know he's he's out of office in a couple of months right yeah and they're talking about him he's talking about running for governor oh my god he's not gonna win I mean listen if it came out and I'll say this to you in all honesty if it came out of Trump's mouth it it would have really upset me just as much I just think from just the basic civil rights aspect of it in the sense that you talked about race in terms of civil rights but like to get a fair trial to get a fair jury, you know, to, you know, you know, you're guilty until, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. I mean, when you got the president of the United States telling people, hey, look, the guy's a white supremacist. Now, I know he didn't say that in so many words, but he alluded to it like the day before the thing, you know, went down, you know, in terms of the kid getting, you know, arrested. I mean, it just, how the fuck do you get a fair trial? I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I think, 
if you if you kill two white people, isn't that the most anti-white supremacist thing you could probably do? Well, that was the other uh, thing. You know, I said it to you last week. I mean, I thought reading this case, not knowing anything other than the case, other than what I saw last year, I thought that this kid mowed down a whole bunch of black people in, in Kenosha last year. Then I started reading into it. And just like that, like I told you last week, the Astro World stuff, you start delving into it and you get past, you know, the media bullshit. And you realize he killed three white guys or two white guys and he injured a third. And, uh, you know, look, man, the media, you know, going back to secession and, and, uh, and billions and, you know, even Yellowstone to an extent, the overall message, you know, from those three shows, Mike, and I think why they may be really successful is that the media in general is very bad. You know, no matter what angle you take, the CNN guys, the Fox guys, these guys are in it to make money, you know, to, to shape public opinion. And, you know, they don't care how they do it. You know, whether they misrepresent facts on either end, you know, it's just an agenda has to get pushed, Chris. Yeah. yeah. It's an agenda. Whatever channel you want to you want to watch Fox News, you're going to watch one agenda get pushed. You want to watch MSNBC, CNN, whatever else you're going to watch the other. agenda. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, man. That's it. And look, I get that. You know, it's their right to make money. But look, following a jury bus, man. I mean, mean, seriously, I mean, how how fucked up is that? It's it's above and beyond. It's what they want to do, what what media outlets they want. They want to control everything they want to be like. I guarantee there are people that were outside that courthouse protesting that had no clue about the entire story of Kyle right. House. They probably thought he killed two black people. I thought it. <laughs> Listen, I thought it going I, into I, this. I, I guarantee yeah, right. most of the people out there thought he, he he killed two or three black people. Sure. He didn't. Or or, or they thought he, he, he broke in and had an illegal handgun and killed. No, no one, you know, like they want to push whatever agenda they got to do get, to get their base viewership. You know what it reminds uh, me of? A, it almost reminds me of like the running man. Remember the running man when Schwarzenegger escapes? And like yeah. they give like this completely alternate thing, like, oh yeah, he died. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's that kind of shit. It's like, how prophetic was that? You know, in the sense like the media, you know, or you know, the television network at the time just giving you a completely different narrative of what happened to kind of like be in line with what the government is trying to push, you know, from whatever side it's coming from. He's the butcher of Bakersfield. Butcher of Bakersfield. And he didn't even kill those people, you know, it wasn't him. Right. 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 So I mean, right. yeah, yeah, like you said, man. They're gonna want to push it any way they want, and then when they get caught, like, listen, this kid is gonna sue everybody now. He's, He's gonna, gonna sue everybody, bro. What, what did those kids get? One of those kids that uh, two hundred and fifty million, two hundred and fifty million dollars from CNN, right? Right. Yeah, it, it's gonna be the same thing. All over he's, again. He's going to sue, and and listen. The talk is he may sue. He may sue Biden. He may sue Biden for slander and defamation. I, I would. I mean, I hey, if I got if 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 I walked away from this, you know, if I was acquitted of all these charges, I'd sue. I'd sue everyone that was on my ass about it. Yeah, I agree. You know? I agree. You know, might as well get paid. You might as well get paid because his life, like you just said, you know, we were talking about, you know, talking about doxing. This kid's life is like ruined. ruined he's got to at he's, seventeen years old. He's got to go underground for a while. He's yeah, got to go absolutely. It, it, he he's the type of guy that would have to like change his name. Kyle Kyle Ritter. There you go. He's no <laughs> Kyle Ritter now. He's Kyle Ritter. 
Yeah, I agree, Mike. I agree. I just like I said, taking taking your your listen, taking your partisanship away, your point of political view away. Listen to what I'm saying, folks. You know, listen to what I'm saying. There are certain things that Mike will tell you as a law enforcement guy that if you get arrested, you're entitled to. You're entitled to a jury. You know, you know, you're entitled to your Miranda rights. You're, you know, there are certain things that. You know, you've got the Fifth Amendment that, you know, prohibits you from incriminating yourself. There's a lot of shit out there, man. And uh, it just seems like a lot of these things get trampled, you know, all in the name of politics, all in the name of, like Mike says, you know, the uh, the media trying to make a buck from whatever, wherever it comes. And I'm trying to be as middle as I can in, in, in saying that, you know, look, these companies, man, they're all about the money. They're all about, you know, making money. And no matter what point of view that, that you, they're coming from, I mean, Look, they do it at you and I's expense. And in this kid's case, I mean, they really, I mean, think about it. I mean, this kid could have gone away for the rest of his life. I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, going on to different things. I think we spent enough time on it. Um, yeah, good luck, Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, man. So I saw this Adele thing last week. I don't know if you checked it out. I'm a, I'm a music guy and... Uh, you know, uh, Adele is a pretty interesting character. You know, she's uh, she's been around about 10 years now. She's probably in her early 30s. Uh, I guess she got divorced. She shocked up with uh, LeBron James's agent, but she's got a great voice, Mike. She's got really some catchy stuff. It's more of like, you know, it's really chick type stuff, but, you know, the voice is phenomenal. And the reason I brought it up is she did like this CBS special last week, I guess after 60 minutes. Phenomenal. Um, and then I guess Barstool Sports came out with like this list. I don't know if it was a parody or not, or if they were trying to be serious. Uh, I don't know. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Now no, you go, and then I'll give my two cents about the list. So basically, what it was, Barstool Sports, I guess, came out like a day or two after this thing happened, and they did. I don't know if it was a parody list or not, but they came out with a top female singers of all time list. And listen to this list, and you tell me what you think. It had Mariah Carey, number one. Whitney Houston, number two. JoJo, number three. Lady Gaga, number four. Aretha Franklin, number five. Uh, going forward, there was no chair. There was no Madonna. Uh, let's see. Just trying to see what else they had here. Beyonce's on it. She's number six. Ashley Simpson is number seven. Tina Turner is number eight. Adele is number nine. And Addison Ray is number 10. Now, looking at this list, Mike, I just named two of them, Madonna and Cher, that completely omitted. I'm not even getting to like the old timers for a second. I'm just talking like modern day people. Whitney Houston to me is probably number one. JoJo, Addison Ray, no clue. Ashley Simpson, nice little one hit wonder here and there. Nowhere close, you know, and look, when you want to encompass, in my opinion, like everything, you know, together, like commercial success, uh, critical success. Um, uh, again, I look at this list and, you know, you're talking about voices, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, again, that's so subjective. But um, what's your take on it? Do you think that was a parody list or? I think they were they were just trying to screw with people because they were smart. Okay. They, they put in names like. Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, then JoJo. Who fucks JoJo? I have no idea. <laughs> Ash, Ash, Ashley Simpson. Listen, I know Ashley Simpson, right? But 
I mean, to put her as top 10 of all time. Addison Ray, no idea who she is. You know, Celine Dion, no Celine Dion. I mean, I'm not a big fan, but I mean, come yeah. on. Diana Ross. Diana Ross, right? I mean, there's a lot of, so I, I think Barstool was just messing around with people. Like, let's just, let's just start some shit on, on social media today. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure, like, I took a picture of it, so I'm just looking at it. But I'm sure if you go to Barstool, there's probably 900,000 comments on this thing. Of Oh, absolutely. Like, Addison Ray, man, you got to be kidding me, dude. Come on. Ashley Simpson, really? JoJo? Oh, oh. I mean, like, like who's another one? I get, those three are the big ones. Like, is Mariah Carey really number one? No. I mean, you can make an argument in terms of her voice, but I mean, her overall career. I mean, look, you're missing Celine. You're missing Madonna. You're missing uh, Cher. I mean, I'm giving you three right there that, I mean, there's no way to exclude those three. I mean, I don't care who you are. I mean, if you have any knowledge of uh, of music and, you know, between their, their box office success, between the critical acclaim. Well, Mariah Carey, I think, might be number one successfully just off that stupid Christmas song. That Christmas song makes her, isn't it some like weird thing? Like she basically makes like almost $10 million. Like she every, makes a lot of money off it, Mike. But I mean, and just like every Christmas she gets like paid. I think Madonna is probably number one in terms of overall commercial success. Are very close to it. Um, Celine's up there. Cher is up there. Those are well, the three biggest emissions that I, well, I can tell you. Well, what's the thing with Cel well, Celine Dion's who made all her money just going to Vegas. She signed like that huge deal. Yeah. To do those shows in Vegas, I think it was like a hundred million dollars. She had a tremendous box office success, like yeah. in the late nineties and well, stuff. That, that that Titanic song. Titanic song. That's just, that's huge. Just put her over the over the moon. Over the top, right? I mean, uh, you know, I sorry. Listen, you know, uh, you know, for those that like Adele, I thought it was really well done. Um, she kind of borders like between a classical singer and a pop singer and a soulful singer. She's like one of the. So many nice things I could say about her. I mean, I, you know, in terms of commercial success, I don't think she's like everybody's cup of tea, but um, very talented woman. And, uh, you know, she's definitely up there. I think she should have been higher up on that list, but that's just my two cents. Well, she definitely comes off. She's got like that 60s kind of music vibe, that Motown kind of feel to her voice. Right. Listen, she's basically like what they used to look for, like what Elvis had, Rick Astley had. It's that white person with a black person's voice never gonna give you up yeah. never gonna let you go that's what <laughs> you know that was elvis's appeal rick ashley had that appeal with his one hit by the way i saw rick ashley you can go on youtube rick ashley does that song with the foo fighters the foo never fighters gonna give doing, you up yeah the foo fighters are doing a concert and they call they, they're like we got a special guest rick ashley comes out on stage and they rock out to Never Gonna Give You Up. And Rick Astley sings the song. It's, I got to be honest with you. That, and, that song has gotten a lot of love. Yeah. Well, the last few years, I, I mean, since, I mean, how old is Rick Rolling? Are we going on a decade of getting Rick Roll? You know, when Rick it, Astley. When Rick Rolled came out like 10 years ago, oh, you got Rick Rolled when you would go online. It, it, right, it right, gave, right. It, it gave that song a second life. And now people love it. And, you know, good for him, man. Who doesn't like Rick? Hey, listen, it came up on Ted Lasso. 
you know, I mean, if you watch Ted Lasso, I mean, there was a whole episode on it, like where I think the, the name of the, uh, the episode was never going to give you up. And uh, I won't give away too much, but it was at a funeral and, uh, you know, they used it. It was great, man. You know, it gave you goosebumps, actually, the way that they did it. But uh, no, pretty interesting stuff, man. Pretty interesting stuff. He's another guy, like, he didn't really have an overly great career, but uh, I'll tell you what, that one hit, man, you know, kind of like the, uh, you know, the ice ice baby type uh, effect, you know, that one hit wonder that just, you know, lasts forever. What is Rick? I'm going to look up his net worth right now. What What do you think he, he's worth? Well, he sold 15.2 million albums worldwide. Um, that single was number one in, in, on the UK charts and I guess the US charts for at least a year or so back in 88 or 89, what? 91, that, that area. Dude, 16 million, they're saying. <laughs> I didn't think he'd have Listen, that much. Man. I didn't think he'd have that much money. I because nah, I, I wouldn't I, have either. I've watched. I mean, well, I, you know, listen. I mean, he probably he probably toured for a couple years. He probably had a couple good years yeah, after that hit. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking thirty years ago, man. That song's thirty years old. You know, you know. Does, yeah, is, but the residuals, yeah. Mike. He's still getting residuals but, off it. That, you know, I watched. Uh, I watched a VH1 show one day. And uh, it was all about, you know, you know, one of their like behind the music. But it was like a the thing about basically being like behind the music of the music. Right, industry. right. Like how you really make money. And I've heard this from a few people where they said it's like you really don't start to see to make money until it's like your second or third album. That first one, it's usually the company, the music company that just takes everything. Like I heard um, Everlast talking about Jump Around. But they were asking him, like, wow, you must make so much money off that. You must do you own the masters, which is a big thing. If you own one yeah, of right, the, right, right. the master tapes in the music industry, he's like, nah, man. He goes, nah, that was our first big hit. He goes, we don't own the masters to that. And they were saying, like, wow, you, you would have had, you know, probably hundreds of million. That whole group would be worth pounds of pain, jump around. Those guys would probably all be worth a hundred million dollars each if they own the masters to jump around. <laughs> <laughs> now you're absolutely right mike you're absolutely right i think if you own the masters that's that's a big thing yeah. um i don't know man i mean maybe he was good with his money but i gotta be honest with you i think he toured you know back when you know back in the early 90s after that hit came out um dude he was wildly successful he was all over mtv with that hit um it was like on constant play on mtv i'm sure he got some sort of royalties from that um Probably owns the Masters, I guess, you know, but maybe he was good with his money. I don't know. But, I, yeah, uh, that seems like a thing where it's like, because uh, I know they did the other one on VH1 behind the music. It was kind of like a one hit wonders. Where are they now? Right, right. And, it, you know, some some of the people they they had on, I forget, they weren't like happy. They were just like, yeah, I had one hit, big deal. But if you remember, remember the guy Chuck Mangione? Sure. Got, was it after not afternoon delight, whatever the hell that song is called. Chuck Mangione was a guy that played like the French horn or whatever. And he, he had that. You talk like the old disco song. Is yeah. That yeah. <laughs> they interviewed him and he was the coolest guy ever. That's the way I like it. Is that what you say? No, no, it's a it's a it's a s instrumental. Oh, wait a second. I think I know who you're talking about. 
Uh, he's more of like a, like a Trump. Uh, yeah, yeah, the trumpet dude. Trumpeter, right? Yeah. Okay. And he got interviewed, and he couldn't be happy. He goes, I will play that song till there is no more air in my lungs. He goes, that song bought me a house. That Feels song, so good. That's what the name is. That it? Yeah, he goes, yeah, that yeah. song bought me a house. It bought me another house. It put three kids through Ivy League schools. He goes, I don't, I'll play that song anytime, anywhere, any place. <laughs> and, then, and then there were like other people that that were getting interviewed like yeah I, I don't even remember the words of the song and i don't care i just want to move on with my life it's like dude be happy don't worry be oh. happy there you go. Per- perfect example bobby mcferrin whatever happened to him i think he's still <laughs> alive but that guy that guy just killed it for one year i think he won like a bunch of great he won the grammy for that song dude it was huge man that was wasn't huge. it? It wasn't in uh, in in uh, in in cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Be happy. <laughs> so good. Worry. Like nineteen eighty nine. If I had to take a guess, Bobby McFer- Bobby McFerrin is worth four million bucks. Okay. Four million. Robin Williams. Yeah, Robin Williams is in the video. <laughs> yeah, Bobby McFerrin, four million bucks. Who was the other guy? I was just about to see his net worth. Oh, Bobby Schmerder. Let's see Bobby Schmerder. Bobby Schmerder. Wait a second. That that's the rap guy that went away to prison, right? <laughs> yeah. He's worth four hundred grand as of like twenty twenty. He got jammed up, man, that guy. Yeah, he went to jail for gun. It wasn't like they made him out like he was this urban know, legend, you know? Yeah. Right. Like he he went to jail for like parking tickets. It was like, no, he got caught with guns. <laughs> guns, guns, guns. By the way, I read the uh maybe we talked about this last week, I don't remember, but uh it seems like the new mayor has put in place that uh that old gun unit uh in New York City. They weren't a gun, it was just the anti-crime unit, Chris. They were like they were just the plain clothes guys that drove right. around. They were they were signed out of the precincts. They were but they, they were tasked with like removing guns from the streets, well, right? Those guys, yeah, those guys basically were told to you you your those plain clothes units are used to address uh, really more felony crimes and misdemeanor crimes. Okay. Those guys are tasked at looking at, you know, robberies and and, and guns, gun possession. So, uh, yeah, he said he's going to bring it back. I think you need to bring it back right now. The shootings, I think everything is still up. It's no, no Dude, I'm impressed with what I hear from the guy so far. I mean, he seems to be hitting the right, the the right buttons, you know? Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, he seems like he's definitely going to, um, hit the ground running come January. He's, he seems like he's getting a lot of things in place. I mean, he, he's had the greatest teacher in the world in the sense of Bill de Blasio, where <laughs> he has seen everything this guy has done wrong. Right. And he's just able to, uh, hopefully he's just able to correct those things. Like a lot of people are telling him, like, you have to do this. You have to do that. You're going to have to correct this. You're going to have to correct that. So, I mean, We'll see what he does come January, because saying I, saying something flip- and doing something are going to be two different things. I'm flabbergasted he- that this guy thinks he's running for governor. I mean, he's he's out of his mind. This guy, he really is. Yeah. I mean, then again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the eight million people or twelve million people in New York City will vote for him and, and he'll get elected. You know, like no. uh, a lot of them tend to do. No, I think the rest of the state has seen what he did to the city, and it's kind of like no. no, it's difficult, Mike. You know, a lot, a lot of these people, like we talked about with the media, with the Rittenhouse thing just a few minutes ago, but 
some people are just so blinded by their partisanship. You know, you got the Trump and the Republican people that will swear up and down on that side. And then where we live in the, you know, in New York City, it's the opposite, man. You know, it's like no matter, you know, you got that magical D next to your name and boom, you're good. You know, I mean, it's very difficult, very difficult. You know, even as a governor, I think that the uh, there's been only a couple of times over the last 50 years where we've had a Republican governor. The last, I think, being Pataki, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What was that? 20 years ago? 9-11. Right. So huh, I guess we'll I mean, just oh, we'll we'll oh, wait and see. I, I mean, oh, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, Spitzer, right? No, I think no? Democrat. I thought he was a Democrat. Spitzer. I think Spitzer was Republican, bro. Oh, let me look it up. I and, may be wrong. I don't know. Did you ever see that movie about him? Client number nine. Uh, Pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, dude, he wild dude, man. Wild, wild dude. You know him and, and the blind guy after him. <laughs> dude, that guy was a mess. Oh, man. But um, no, yeah, you're that, right. He's a Democrat. Okay. Yeah. Take it back. But that guy, uh, that movie client number nine, if you've never seen that movie, it's such a good because it 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 drops him down a peg, man. He you is, think he is such a you know he was such a cocky, cocky dude. And then well, he, he was got, a he was an attorney, right? He was the district attorney was, at some point. Elliot Spitzer was a rich kid, in the sense of his parent, his family owned tons upon tons of real Manhattan, estate, Manhattan real estate, not even real yeah. estate, Manhattan real estate. Okay, so he was a rich kid growing up and you know he, he I, you know he had that i'm untouchable kind of attitude and then this whole thing happened he went after a few people these like wall street guys and there was the one guy uh langone i believe was the guy's name he i think he owned he's one of the owners or one of the founders of home depot and he's just like a wall street dude and this guy Langone, he's he's actually a Long Island guy, and I loved watching him in the in the uh, in the documentary because he was like, "I'm the son of a plumber," and now the guy was like a billionaire, like a hedge fund billionaire guy, and he was like, <laughs> "I am not going out against this guy without a fight," and he basically hired like the private investigators. They, his guys broke him and got him to. They found out he was client number nine. So, <laughs> That's pretty interesting, Mike. Now I got to check that out. You know, but I mean, it, I know yeah. the story of Spitzer, you know, to an extent that everybody else does. But, but... yeah, the, the dude Langone, he just reminds me of like a dude that would be hanging out with our dads. He was <laughs> like this guy from all. He's like, yeah, I'm the son of a plumber. Look, right, right, right. And he, he really like he had it out like Spitzer made it personal with this guy. And he goes, I always and the guy was like, hey, man, I always look at things for business. He goes, this guy made it real personal with all of us. And he goes, that was it. I had enough. And I, I think him and a bunch of other guys, they hired like private investigators to follow him around. And then the whole client number nine thing broke and they got all the information. They were like, screw Kind of like Axe from Billions. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who I didn't know, he was in Homeland too, wasn't he? Yeah, that's a dude from Home. He's an English guy. Damien oh, Lewis. is he? Yeah, he's a- he was in Band of Brothers. He's the guy in Band of Brothers too. Oh, okay, okay. So, it's been a while since I watched that. Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen that. And I don't. I don't think I've seen that since it was on, almost. But uh, I don't, I don't know if you're a hockey fan at all, and I'm. I, I don't really follow them anymore. You know, 
I'm more of a Ranger fan than I am an Islander fan at this point, which is an interesting story. But uh, looks like the Islanders opened up their new home in Belmont uh, today. The first, uh, the first game. Oh, the game was uh, today. Yeah, they lost. They lost to the Flames, but uh, I guess for the old timers, man, you know, the people our age and, and older, you know, they remember Nassau Coliseum and. Uh, you know, look, the, the story goes for me. I switched from the Islanders to the Rangers about 15 years ago. I mean, growing up as a kid, I bandwagoned the Islanders. And when I should have been a Ranger fan, I moved out to the island, and I thought the Islanders were going to hightail it to the Midwest, I guess, uh, when Wang owned, owned them, you know, from uh, Computer Associates. And I thought they were going to leave town, and, and I hooked up with the Rangers. And it turns out they got everything straightened out. They uh, they built a new place in Belmont and Elmont, right right near the, the raceways. Uh-huh. Supposedly, it's really cool. It's got like a lot of that uh, city field vibe in the sense that it's got that old architecture that kind of, you know, elicits like, uh, you know, if you've been to the racetrack, that kind of deal. You know, the game plan is to watch a Stanley Cup final game and go see the Belmont Stakes, you know, in June, you know, that kind of deal. Now, here's my thing with Belmont being there. Can they do something with the uh, the Winter Classic there now? I believe they can. Like with the the inside track there at Belmont, make that a uh, hockey kind of thing. Apparently, it's a beautiful stadium. I think I think that's on the table, Mike. I mean, it fits about seventeen thousand people. Um, you know, it's got great reviews. It's technology, like the technology is right there. Um, well, the the other thing too now with every new sports stadium, it, it, the game is secondary to everything else they have. Yes, you know, I, I mean, it's. It's more like, well, we have five different restaurants in there now, and we brought this company in, which makes this, and we have uh, 18 different craft beers, and we brought this company in that makes cheesesteaks in Philly, but we like them, so now we opened up on it. So, like, people, I, you know, they want it to where you want to bring your the, say, if you're a family, the people that bring your own food. <laughs> well, it's, it's more of they don't want they want you to bring like your family there instead of just you and your say one friend maybe going to a game they right right bring and make it a whole family experience yes yes so. absolutely and look me and macho have talked about this you know and other yankee fans i mean you go to a, a baseball game and forget the tickets you know you're looking at a family of four i mean easy look like a three four hundred in some cases a five hundred hour event you know uh, oh, between yeah. tickets parking food i mean it's like you know, it's like a small rent payment for some people. I mean, it's really ridiculous. But um, apparently they did a great job on this. You know, I'm glad that they uh, they kept them in New York. And again, I'm not a fan, but, you know, I'm not opposed to them. I don't hate on them like I do, like certain other teams in the sports landscape that I, you know, in New York. But, you know, it's good to see. It's good to see. I think it's going to be good for Nassau County. I think it's a lot of jobs. It's a, a lot of revenue. Um, I think it's a nice spot too, you know, uh, near the, near the racetrack is really nice, you know, in terms of like, you know, Belmont itself. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't been to Elmont in, in a long time. So I'm, we had some relatives that live not too far in Franklin square, but, um, it's good to see Mike. It's good to see, you know, uh, I think if you're an Islander fan, you know, I'm happy for you getting a brand new building, kind of like when the Mets got city field and the Yankees got the new stadium, it should be cool. And it shouldn't flux a lot of money into the uh, into the Long Island economy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would definitely go oh, check out. And a little side note: for the first time in fifty years, there's a new LIRR stop. 
that's going to be, uh, I guess, introduced in the springtime. So for the first time in 50 years, there's going to be a new stop on the Long Island Railroad. Think about that for a second. So it's going to be right near the Belmont uh, uh, Arena, the New Islander Arena. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. On that note, hey, good luck, Islanders. Um, what do you got to plug? We'll get the plug. Yeah, with that note, we'll get the plugs out of the way. So we got DJ Chris Clash and www.djchrisclash.com. We got Jay Cristiano Spot, Cardinal Financial, Big J. Uh, if you're in the refinance or the purchase market, uh, check them out. Use the promo code 4215. It's going to be 844-442-7334. And then we've got Tommy Devitt spot, Big Tommy D. Uh, we've got him and the Mad Donkey. Uh, we've got, let's see, 36th Avenue. And we've got Shopping by Tommy. Uh, I'll get you the number in a second. Other than that, uh, you can reach Tommy at 917-559-8264 to place your order. Trader Joe's, Stop and Shops, Costco, Walmart, you name it. Tommy does it. Black Friday's coming up. Friday, right? Soon. So, Black Friday. You know, you know hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, if you have any shopping needs, Tommy can help you out. You going to take advantage of Black Friday this week, Mike, or what? No. I no? usually don't do any shopping. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 would, I would not put myself through that. Maybe like maybe like those Cyber Monday deals where you go online, but I would not go to a store. Like, I, why am I camping out online? Mostly everything you can buy, you can buy online. I got two great deals on on the TV that that's in my main living room. I got that a couple years ago, and the uh, one downstairs, same deal. But no, I, I agree with you. Like for general stuff, no. I think I yeah, when you watch these videos, sometimes if it's just getting completely mauled and yeah, stampeded yeah. and all that bullshit no i agree yeah people like uh you know getting online at midnight for no that's all right um <laughs> uh what, else, what was it good oh pat dixon check out pat dixon crime report on compound media new york city crime reports his podcast you can always uh wherever you can uh, download podcasts it's out there uh check out jack at i can paint i think he's got some dms uh he had some work he's got for sale. Some great. He did like a whole collection of like uh, comic book stuff. Really good stuff. So, uh, you can check that out. Um, me, uh, I guess you could check me out. I'm going to have probably dates coming up in January, some comedy dates. So hopefully, I think end of January, once it's cemented in, I'll let you guys know. Uh, you Are you going to do a, you're going to do stand up comedy, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing uh, open mics for a while. Uh and as of right now, I think I have something in the works for middle to end of January. Uh, I'll let everyone know when the date is Whereabouts? solidified, probably in Brooklyn at a restaurant, uh, restaurant uh, kind of like I'll be uh, there, man. I'll be there in Brooklyn. I'll, I'll be let, there. I will let the nation know. Other than that, uh, we wish you the best. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh, don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> Have a good weekend, guys. Happy Thanksgiving.